The first Sunday of Lent, the church always places before us one of three accounts of Jesus' 40 days in the desert, followed by his extraordinary battle with Satan and triumph over Satan. Why does the church always give us one of these three accounts of Jesus' 40 days in the desert? Well, there are a couple of reasons. And the first one is to instruct us that Lent in particular, but the Christian life in general, is a spiritual combat. It's a spiritual combat against ourselves, our, our fallenness. But it's also to remind us that we face an adversary, Satan, who is all too real, though he would prefer we think otherwise, as he can then more easily lead us astray. St. John Chrysostom, one of the great fathers of the early church, he, he once preached a three-part series on the devil. And in, in the second of those three homilies, he said this, It certainly gives me no pleasure to speak to you of the devil, but the teaching is full of security for you, for the devil is an enemy and a foe, and it is a great security to know clearly the tactics of your enemy. The devil is our enemy. It is of great security for us to know clearly his tactics. Well, we see Satan's tactics in our gospel, right? And it's the same tactics he used to incite our first parents, Adam and Eve, to disobey God's command. It's the same tactics he has used on, on us and, and will use in the future, temptation. And in the threefold temptation of Christ, we see the common three ways in which we experience temptation to sin, which St. John summarized as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh refers to physical desire. Okay, so it could be desire for food or drink, sex or comfort, or any number of material goods, right? Satan tempts Jesus, a man intensely fasting, to turn stone to bread. Then we see the lust of the eyes, which is basically greed. It's the desire to own and possess things of value, money, treasure, earthly treasure. So the devil shows Jesus all the power and glory of the kingdoms of the world and the wealth that would follow in an instant and offers it to Jesus. Finally, Pride, the pride of life, which is sinful pride, this disordered exhortation of oneself. Satan takes Jesus to the most public place in all of Israel, the temple, and basically encourages Jesus to perform some miraculous spectacle, right? Uh, because this was uh, uh, the most public place, because it was always filled with people, this would make him an instant celebrity, uh, and he would receive adulation from the whole populace. Now, as our gospel shows us in, in, in every single case, we see the tempter is cunning, right? He doesn't directly try to tempt Jesus towards evil, but rather towards something that appears to be good. Bread for one famished by fasting, power and glory, fame, adulation. None of these things are intrinsically wrong. But in every case, Jesus responds to Satan's temptation by remembering the word of God, recalling the word of God, and obeying it. And the same is true for us. 
if we carry God's word in our minds and our hearts, if we trust God and obey him, then we can reject every single kind of deception uh, by the tempter. Moreover, in Lent, we are called to engage in three basic spiritual practices, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, which help us to fight these, this threefold temptation of the lust of the flesh, the lust of, eye, of the eyes, and the pride of life. Prayer combats pride because prayer requires the humility to get on our knees and acknowledge that we need God's help and acknowledge, Lord, I can't. Do this on my own. I need your assistance. Fasting combats the lust of the flesh. Fasting is, is think of it as a training, uh, training us to have control over our physical appetite. Almsgiving combats the lust of the eyes, greed. It teaches us that our wealth is not something to hoard, uh, but but something we need to be detached from and willing to share with others. You know, these three ways the church t encourages us to employ in Lent, they help us to combat the temptation, the temptations of Satan. Now, in summary then, the first reason why we get Jesus' 40 days in the desert always during the first Sunday in Lent is to teach us that we are in the midst of spiritual combat. The second reason is this. You know, you don't have to be a biblical scholar to connect the 40 days Jesus spent in the desert with the 40-day season of Lent. But what is more important than just drawing that connection is the reality that the annual observance of Holy Lent enables us to mysteriously participate in those 40 days Jesus spent in the desert and to share in his victory. How, how on earth is this possible, you might ask? Well, I would say we actually catch a glimpse of this, of, of how that's possible, in our first reading. Uh, in our first reading, Moses teaches how the Israelites are to offer their first fruits to the Lord in a, in a liturgical context, a ritual context. And what's interesting is first they had to recite this this cliff note version of salvation history, beginning with my father was a wandering Aramean who went down to Egypt. It's hearkening back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the one who goes down to Egypt with his sons. And in Egypt, Israel becomes a great nation. They are eventually enslaved. Uh, but um, God brought them out of slavery by his his working of miracle upon miracle and eventually brings them into the promised land. So why do they, why do the Israelites have to recount this cliff note version of salvation history when they offer the first fruits to God? Well, it's, it's for this reason in the old Testament, remembering, especially within a ritual context, a liturgical context, doesn't ever simply mean, it never means just mentally recalling the past. It also makes the past present, in a sense, so future generations can participate in those foundational events of, of, the, of Israel's history. That was true with Passover, and it's true here. And what it does is it makes the Israelites' Thanksgiving offering not simply giving thanks to God 
for one good harvest, but giving thanks to God for all the blessings he's bestowed on this people back to Abraham. Something similar happens at Mass, but on an even greater level. At Mass, uh, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Again, we're not just mentally recalling the Last Supper or mentally recalling his passion, uh, his offering on Calvary. No, it's actually made present again at each and every Mass so that all generations of Christians can participate in that one sacrifice of Christ on Calvary uh, so that all generations of Christians can do this in memory of, of Christ uh, and share in the graces and receive the graces he wants to give us. All right, what does this have to do with Lent? Well, for those of us who are baptized, when we pray, fast, and give alms, we are mysteriously bound to Christ more closely. You know, Christ is, as it were, uh, alive and active in his church. And he is using uh, this 40-day season to transform his body. Uh, he is using this season as a sacrament, so to speak, uh, during which our penitential practice have consequential effects. They bring us into the mystery of the dying and rising Christ. It is as if we were mystically going back with Jesus, going with Jesus into the desert for 40 days so that we can share in his victory over the evil one and so that we can share in his ultimate victory by his cross and resurrection. Let us enter into that desert this year with renewed intensity, ready for spiritual combat, ready to pray fast and give alms so that we can be united with Christ and he can make us the saints he created us to be.